Just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, we could continue to be drawn to Jesus, King of Kings. We thank you that you're preparing us for a marriage with the King of Kings. We bless you. Pray you'd open our hearts and minds, you'd open the word of God into our spirits for transformation. You would equip us and fill us, Holy Spirit. And we pray in that holy name above every name, Jesus, amen, amen. Well, I like to say, this is June, and we're just declaring June is traditional marriage month. It's glorious. We're celebrating brides and bridegrooms, husbands and wives. Thank you. And we're being prepared. <laughs> I just figured, I don't, anyway, we'll go on from there. But there's something, you know, that's a better thing to celebrate. All right. So this is, we're, we're going to focus on the Holy Spirit for a season this summer. Maybe it'll keep going. I just feel like. The Holy Spirit reveals the Father and the Son to us. The Holy Spirit reveals the Word of God to us. The Holy Spirit transforms us. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit is depicted by many word pictures in the New Testament. And uh, one, of the mo- one powerful image of the Holy Spirit is a river, a river that is endless and infinite and continues, and so we, we just, and that's the transformation that we experience in our salvation, that we get more and more changed all the time. We, how many think the people you live with should, get, should be changed, right? <laughs> and, and it would help if, if I was too, and you were too, all right. So the Holy Spirit is God from Creation and consummation, beginning to end, Genesis 1, the Spirit of God was hovering on the face of the waters. Revelation 22, verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, come. So it's not all, you know, we invite people, the bride, this is the bride, Spirit and the bride say, come, but the Holy Spirit draws people continually, and the Holy Spirit's always making invitation and will be until... And even (laughs) into stuff we don't even understand because we've never been there. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. So if you hear, you know, if you can hear the invitation, you can give the invitation. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. And the water of life is an image of salvation, it's an image of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, just, I just love this, it says, let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take. And so thirst is this longing like I need something. And uh, there's, you know, it's been said that there's a void inside of every human that can only be, be filled by God. And because there's longings that we have, but we were created for full communion with God and with each other. And so there's emptiness in our lives. And, you know, not knowing God, ignorant of God, or, or refusing God, 
than that those longings which are meant and can only be fulfilled by a communion with God will get filled with all kinds of other things. You know, all, this is the root of all addictions. It's the root of, of all idolatry. It's just this longing to be filled. You were created to be filled with the love of God, the unconditional, infinite, endless love of God. Amen. So if, if, if you don't and I don't have that, then I'm thirsty. And that, you can be filled and still be thirsty for more because there's always more. There's always more of God. There's always more of his glory, his beauty. And he will become to you as much as you let him in. He'll become that glorious, majestic one. Isaiah 32, there's a, there's a verse, and it, this is really an eschatological passage, but it says, behold the king in all his beauty. That's a lifetime project, to behold the king in all his beauty. A little further down in, in Isaiah 32, it says that, and it's talking about the city of God, and it says that, that the Lord will become to you a place of broad rivers and streams and no galley or valiant ship, no ship with oars can, can attack. And it's talking about that the Lord will become such an infinite environment around his people that, that you're immune from attack. And uh, broad rivers and streams, it, it translates in the ESV. And the word translated streams is actually, it's a technical term used for the, Ni the canals along the Nile that were just cut out of the Nile and, and emptied back into the Nile. So these were like infinite supply. They were always flowing. And there's, there's never, you can't have too much of God. God doesn't ration how much of himself he gives you. So, and, he, and he wants us to not ration how much we give to him, right? You don't want to just give him, you know, five minutes, half hour, an hour on Sundays. Eh, I wish this guy would hurry up. <laughs> Doesn't he know there's a game? That's <laughs> like all that he is. We give him all that we are. He gives us all that he is. And he does a much better job of it than we do. <laughs> so, okay, so the Holy Spirit is God, he's Lord, and he's the giver of life. This is from the Nicene Creed. John 6, 63, the Spirit who gives life. It is the Spirit who gives life. If you're saying, God, I don't feel like I'm alive. What we need is more Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. God, I've noticed now that I'm in my, this decade that I'm in, <laughs> that I don't have as much spring as I used to have. And even if I do, my balance isn't what it was at, you know, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> and, and some of it, you know, we just say, well, it's a natural aging process, but there is this thing that God fill me with more life because you could be, Paul said, my outer man's wasting away, but my inner man's being renewed day by day. So there can be a radiant energy in people that are clearly, you know, well past 100. 
aren't too many of them, but they, you can shine like the sun. You might not be able to jump as high as you could when you were 20, but you can shine much brighter. I, I can't, this is hard. I'm trying to remember, you know, in the late 80s when I started preaching on 13th Street here in Harrisburg, um, and, and we stayed there through the 90s, but I remember sometimes I would, I would, uh, jump and spin and do, and I'd do a, a 360. Sometimes I'd do it near the edge of the stage. And it actually didn't make anyone nervous because at an age, you can do those things. If I did it now, first of all, I wouldn't make it all the way around. And secondly, you, would, you should just pre-order the ambulance that's needed, you know, like, what was he thinking? It's a quick way to heaven. <laughs> All right, help me, Jesus. Okay, he's the Lord and giver, he's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all and eventually your flesh wears out, but why, why speed it up? Okay, uh, it also says in John 16, 13 that he will guide us into all truth, all reality, which means he takes us out of every lie. Oh, thank you. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And there's actually just one truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am reality. That's what that word means. That's why you can't have multiple truths. This is postmodernism that, you know, it's like, it's just the rejection of God's revelation that you could have a truth that's different than your truth. And there's a lot of subtleties in this, you know, like, um, and I, I don't want to go anywhere without because I'll just get in trouble, but in a, besides the point, but it's like you don't have a truth that's different. If your truth is different than the truth, then your truth is a lie. It's a, it's a pseudo-truth. There's only one truth. It's called reality, and the one who spoke it into existence defines it. <laughs> anyway, that, that's good to know. And so the Holy Spirit, show us. Bring us into truth. On top of that, the Holy Spirit, we were, the Father, the Father chose us all before the beginning of time. He saved us from ourselves, from sin, from death, from eternal separation through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. We were singing about the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Thank you. Such infinite humility beyond our imagination that God himself would become human, live perfectly, demonstrate what a human being was intended to be, carry the image of God without distortion, and humble himself to the point of death. That, why? Because that was his battle, to die without sin and destroy the power of death so that we could all be set free that his body and his blood would save us forever and ever. And he would, who was he saving us for? For himself, for the great wedding, when he's the bridegroom and the bride has made herself ready. And he's going to present to himself a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Thank you, thank you. This is like a love story from beginning to end. You know, big, lots of drama and suspense in it. So the Holy Spirit is the one, and, and the Holy Spirit sets us free and transforms us. Let's go to 2 Corinthians three seventeen. 
Now the Lord is the spirit. Do you know what that, that actually is a statement of the divinity of God. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the, so not only is the Holy Spirit God himself, but the Holy Spirit, wherever the Holy Spirit is, there's freedom. And so if you wanna, if you wanna lose your freedom, you turn your back on God. If a nation wants to lose its freedom, it turns its back on God and expels him from all its major cultural institutions. But when God decides to change that and bring freedom, he sends his ambassadors to show a better way. So don't, you know, don't give up, don't quit, don't think America's best days are behind her. Because you're here, God is here. Because you're free, no one, I mean, they can, you know, they can pass bad laws, make all kinds of rules, people will suffer from that, but the light shines in the darkness. And it's new creation. If, any man, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is past, so you're carrying the hope of the future. Is that good? I mean, this is our salvation, and we, and we carry it with us. Okay. Verse 17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Verse 18, and we all, could you say that word all? all? See, that doesn't mean just special people. It's we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. So we're actually all invited to come before the Lord without shame, with an unveiled face and behold his glory. How do we do that? It sounds very spiritual. It's, it, there, I'm gonna answer that question, but first I want you to see, when, as you behold the glory of the Lord, something is happening. We are all being transformed. Being, continuous, present tense, transformed. This is like metamorphosis is continually going on. You'll be better tomorrow than you are today. You'll be better in a year than you are today. This is like continual, but there's a process that we cooperate in. This is how we work out our salvation. We're, we're, not, work, we're not making our salvation, we're, we're working out of what's been given to us. Like why would we not wanna benefit from all the benefits? Okay, so we trans, we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, from glory to glory, this comes from the Lord who is the, oh good, some of you knew that. Okay, this comes from, and it's not even on the screen. So if you have your Bibles open or you have, if no one open, it, it comes from the Lord. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is so amazing. Now, what does it mean to behold the glory of the Lord? And, and Paul answers this in the next chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God, and then there's there, but I'm gonna to go to the end of the verse, has shown, who calls, you know, calls light to shine from darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, where? In the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, like, what does that mean? It means exactly what we were singing about, that we, as we behold him as we, which causes us to process it. It's not staring at a, 
a painting, although a painting had become an icon, which was an invitation into an encounter. Um, but it, it's, as I consider all the aspects of the, the God who emptied himself, God the Son emptied himself, who was God from all eternity, became human, and not just human, but a great servant of all, and was obedient, wasn't doing his own thing, and he was obedient to the death on the cross, and so all his suffering, all his pain, everything he did was purposeful. Do you know that all your suffering has meaning? This is what the Bible says. Paul said, we rejoice in our sufferings. He said, are you crazy? No, because we know that tribulation develops steadfastness, patience, grit. Don't give up. You know? And it all ends up with, with the Holy Spirit being poured out into our hearts. The love of God being poured out into our hearts by the Spirit who is given to us. It's like... God, so God, charge our senseless sorrows with meaning. Make our pain pregnant with power because it is. This is a good prayer. Okay, so as we behold the glory of God in the face of Christ, we're transformed. In other words, the more, you will become what you behold. Mike Bickle quote from years ago. But as I behold him, and I behold him not just as a static figure, but by the, the dynamic of his whole life, which began in eternity and continues forever as the name above every name, I'm transformed into his image. Help me. So many, you know, God loves you, and he loves you as you are, but he doesn't love you and leave you as you are. He, this is the job of the Holy Spirit. He convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He, he leads and guides us into all truth. He reveals the Father and the Son to us. He takes all that is mine, Jesus said, and gives it to you, makes it known to you. Come on. So the question is, do you have it all yet? <laughs> do I have it all yet? No. You know, I've been doing this for over 50 years now, and I still want more. I know a lot more than I knew 47 years ago or even seven years ago, but some things I'm thinking like, God, wait, I want to have this, but I, I don't want to lose what I had then. How many, you're, this is called being thirsty. If you're thirsty, come. Okay. So the great thing is, that as we, as we go after him, and this is like a message on pretty much pursuing the Holy Spirit, you know. So as we do, he turns our troubles into encounters. So Psalm 16 starts out, preserve me, O God, and you discover a lot of Psalms start out with there's a big problem. <laughs> preserve me, O God. And then, and he goes through a couple verses talking about how bad things are around him but in verse five, he's, he settles the issue. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Do you know you have an inheritance in heaven that's being kept for you? This is 1 Peter chapter one. It's like, 
And this is amazing. And so David starts out saying, God, I need your help. I need you to protect me. But he's not going to stay there focused on how many corporations are woke, how, how terrible the universities are, how de, de, you know, despicable some situations are around us. And, and you know, it's always the bad news that gets reported. And there's lots of bad news to report. However, you have a different storyline. It starts with this, verse five, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. No matter what happens to me, I have a beautiful inheritance. Verse seven, thanksgiving opens the door into encounter. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. Don't miss the opportunities that come in the night. You might wake up and be nervous and anxious about things, and that's, that's normal being in this world. In this world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So we take our problems, we roll them on the Lord, we take our anxieties, we roll them on the Lord, and we come into a different place. We, it's called, if you cast your cares upon him, you'll discover that he cares for you. I, I can't tell you how many times I've done this because it's numberless. But just in the night, this is a place where we can discipline our mind, disciple our mind. Like we get up with worries and some of them are legitimate, so we give them to God in prayer and prayer will always lead us to a place of peace. Almost always. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it takes you more than one day to get there, right? It's not always a five-minute process, but you become, you become disciplined at it, and I just think, like, I, you know, I do this delightfully every night when I'm awake. I will discipline myself that I exhale my problems. I exhale if, I, if, I'm, if I'm convicted and I see, like, oh, that was so stupid. I confess my sins, in the middle of the night, I'm not going to wait till the next day. I confess my sins and receive his forgiveness. And I breathe in his righteousness. I breathe in the Holy Spirit. I breathe in power. I breathe in life. I breathe in light with every breath. And then once you get, if you have something bothering you, once you get that taken care of, every exhale is thank you. Every exhale is, I bless you, Lord. Every exhale is holy, holy, holy. Do you understand? It's like, if, if you think some, you know, utilize your insomnia. <laughs> and he gives his beloved sleep. But I'm just saying, it's like, don't get, like, have you ever, you've got a busy day coming up and you don't get any sleep and, you, and you're starting to think like, oh, great, that's going to be terrible. I'm not getting any sleep. Just use it. And you'll get some sleep. Okay, you'll survive. That, Sorry, I know that doesn't sound like very deep spiritual counsel, but <laughs> gratitude opens the door. Now look what happens. Verse eight, I have set the Lord always before me. How do you do that? You do that by discipline. I have set the Lord always before me. I'm working out my salvation. He is always there, but I have a choice of what I set before me. I can think about the problems, and sometimes they are very significant or threatening, or I can focus on him who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
who said, I am your helper. You know, now I'm in Hebrews chapter 13. The Lord is my helper. He will never leave me. He said, he promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, what can man do to me? Well, they can fire you. They can repossess your house, your car. They can do all kinds of bad things to you, but they can't take away the Lord's presence. They can't take away eternal life. They can't take away the fact that you can begin again. And even at age 80, after you've been a basically aimless hired shepherd out in the backside of the desert, God could surprise you with a burning bush and give you a whole new assignment that's going to keep you busy for the next 40 years. (laughs) And he just might give you the five books of Torah to write down. I'm just saying, you know, like we give up way too soon. Anybody have that problem? Besides me? Okay. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, verse nine, I have, so I'm unshakable if I set the Lord before me. Therefore, my heart is glad. I have gladness of heart and my whole being, my glory, my liver, literally in the Hebrew, kabod, rejoices. It's spinning around. So I have jumping and spinning joy and my flesh also dwells securely. It, dwell, it, it rests in hope, New King James. It, it rests securely. Do you know, hope, this is how when Peter, Peter gave this psalm on the day of Pentecost, when the people stood up and he started preaching about Jesus, this was the psalm that came flooding out of him. And the Greek translation of what Peter said, which no doubt wasn't in Greek, but maybe it was because maybe he was speaking in tongues, I don't know, but it says that I, it uses this word that I will rest in hope, I will dwell in hope, literally is, is how most, it literally the Greek word means like a bird building a nest. Do you like that? Like I'm going to build a nest in hope, which... Bible hope is a confident expectation that things will get better. I loved, I mean, it's been a long time. Most of you probably don't know who James Daniels was, but he was a very special man that was part of this church for many years, his wife, Roberta, as well. And James went through some really tough times, and I would see him, and I, when, when we first came in this building, I would see him, and I'd say, how are you doing, James? And he goes, it's going to be all right. And he would just say that to me. Every time he'd see me, I'd say, how are you doing, James? He says, it's going to be all right. (laughs) He wasn't really saying how it was. He was saying, I'm resting in hope. Come on. It's powerful. Okay, so, and then uh, verse 10, you will not abandon my soul to shield or or let your Holy One see corruption. Literally, he said, I'll never be abandoned. You will never be abandoned. And your soul will never be corrupted. I mean, obviously, your body will. This was, unless you just, like, have a a miraculous incorruptibility, as a few people have, or we're the generation that hears the trumpet sound and we all fly away. Some glad morning. That wouldn't be bad, would it? (laughs) We'd have to adjust our eschatology, and uh, some of us would go, oh, I've been waiting for this. But... 
But Peter actually used that verse to say, look, David died and his body was corrupted and his bones are with us today. They're in his tomb that everyone knew where his tomb was. And he said, so he wasn't talking about himself. He was seeing into the future. It was a messianic psalm and he was describing Jesus. Oh my gosh. But now we get to the good part. Verse 11 you will make known to me the path of life. You will make, no, you'll make known to me. This is what the Holy Spirit does. When we turn our eyes upon him, off of our problems, off, it's, uh, we say, God, I've set you always before me. He, he will make known to us the path of life. This is the Holy Spirit. He shows you what you are to do. He shows me what we are to do. He shows us eternal life in the here and now, not just when we die, but he shows us how to live out each day, the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy, which is absolute joy, and at your right hand are pleasures that are endless, and they're infinite. How many would like that? Anybody think, no, I don't want it. Okay, so I think I'm, I'm going to... Um, truncate my message here because the, uh, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to fill some of you up. So I, I just want you to stand up and, and I, I'm just, I, I have to tell you this. Ezekiel 47 describes Ezekiel having an encounter and, he, and God was showing him it's called, it was like an eschatological vision of the last days when God said he would pour out his spirit. And, he's, and he sees a river, or he sees water leaking out from under the threshold of the temple, which thinks like, wow, is there a problem there, a broken pipe? Maybe there's a fountain. <laughs> Maybe there's a spring. And that, and so this, this, um, Man in the vision starts to lead him and they're actually walking downstream in this water. So they start out just getting their feet a little bit wet. And after 500 cubits, which is, or 1,000 cubits, which is 500 yards, five football fields, now the water is ankle deep and it's flowing. And they're walking downstream. And they keep, but as they're looking downstream, they see the river getting bigger and wider and it's also getting deeper. And so they keep walking, and they're walking downstream, and after another 500 yards, 1,000 cubits, it's knee deep. Now he can probably feel the current pushing on him. You know, when we get caught in the spirit, he, he actually accelerates our life. Like, it takes less effort to go with the spirit than it does to, to go against him. And so then he, you know, and he, he keeps walking, and after another 1,000 cubits, or another five football fields, now it's up to his waist. How many know that, like, this is starting to push on him? Like, each step, he's might maybe going a step and a half. I'm staying close away from the edge so that some people won't worry that I'm going to fall off. But, the, uh, but, I mean, it's just like, have you ever felt that? Like, there's an acceleration of the Holy Spirit as he's taking us deeper. And then he goes another five football fields, and they're going downstream. How many know he's going faster and faster, and his feet are starting to come off? And he says, and I couldn't cross it. It was too wide, 
and it was too deep, and I was being carried along in this flow of the water of life. And here's where it's taking him. It's taking him to the Dead Sea, the former Dead Sea, and what he's seeing is the whole Dead Sea is being made fresh water. Like uh, the Dead Sea, you know, represented, you know, it's the place where things just go there and they stay there, you know, and, and it's full of all kinds of salt and, and stuff. But it's like, and he says, and everything, I'll read this for you here, and it's Ezekiel 47, verse 9, and wherever the river goes, Every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there that the, why? That this water, which is the water of the Holy Spirit outpouring, goes there that, in order, this is the purpose, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. What if everything toxic was made alive by the Spirit of God? It's a transformation. And it becomes fresh so that everything will live wherever the river goes. And so in other words, he's being swept along by the momentum of this river and he can't, now he can't control where he's going. Maybe when it was knee deep, he could say, I've had enough, I'm out of here. But he's, he's like, now he's, he got into it so deep, it's carrying his life along to a place that's going to be pure life. And all along the, the banks, there's trees growing that have fruit and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. So it's both, it, it points back to Genesis 2 where there's a river flowing out of Eden and it splits into four rivers and it also points ahead to Revelation 21 where John saw this river clear as crystal. It's, it's um, Revelation 22, verse one. And I saw a river, it was clear as crystal. And it flowed down the center of the street and the trees grew on both sides and it bore fruit all the time and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. What if this is a picture, not only of eternity future, but actually of a picture of our salvation that the Holy Spirit brings to us so he can bring it through us. So that Jesus said, John 7, on the last and great day of the feast, the feast, the Sukkot feast, the, the tabernacle feast, on the last and great day when they were big ceremony, they're carrying this water up from the pool of Siloam in this golden pitcher, they're going to take it up to the altar and pour it out, and, and right in the middle of that, Jesus stands up and says, is anyone thirsty? Which is a wild thing in a loud voice. He, he like disrupted everything. <laughs> this is the prophet Jesus. Is anyone thirsty? They're like, who did that? Get him out of here. Where's that shofar? We need to... <laughs> but it's like he disrupted what they were doing because he wanted to ask a question that some of you aren't satisfied with all this beauty and the remembrance of God's faithfulness in the wilderness, you want something now that's alive in you. And he said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. How do you come to a person and drink? Drinking is not like a, a busy process. <laughs> Just, you can't drink 
talk and drink at the same time, right? I mean, drinking is pure reception of something that's outside of you that you need to live. And this is what he said. And he said, if you come to me, this is New American Standard marginal thing. It says, come and keep coming. Drink and keep drinking. He said, then uh, that drink in you will, it's miraculous. It becomes a river. It actually becomes multiple rivers that flow from you. How could that be? Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given, but the Holy Spirit has been given. He said, I will pour, in the last days, I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and old men will dream dreams, and young men will see visions. When the Holy Spirit comes, he activates us, he moves us, he, he revives us, he brings dreams. That When old men have dreams, they're not just dreaming about, you know, the dog they owned 40 years ago. He's saying they're having dreams of things to come. The young men are having visions of things that are present and can be accomplished in their lifetime, callings. So I just want to ask you, do you, do you hear and are you thirsty? And so if you're thirsty, I don't know how to do this. You know, we've, 25 years ago, this was the main thing we did. And I know that the Spirit of God is moving again. He wants to restore, revive, refresh, and transform and empower and carry us into the dead places so that the waters of life can cause things to live. If, if, if you say, I think that's me, would you just lift your hand? I'm not gonna call everyone forward today. Whoo, thank you, Jesus. I, Holy Spirit, would you come upon us? Would you come into us? Would you come and increase the, would you come and accelerate the movement in our life toward the transformation of the toxic world around us? Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and we, we confess our thirst to you. We invite you to come. We invite you to come and flood over us. We invite you to come up to our ankles, up to our knees, up to our waists. Cause us to lose our footing and carry us into the places that you've assigned for us. And God, as we're being carried along, Holy Spirit, we trust that you'll guide us and we'll end up in just the right places. God, when we're over, we're, we're Water's too deep to walk in. We can't control our direction. And we give the direction of our lives to you over this next year, these next five years, these next 10 years. We just dedicate these years to being filled and carried along by your momentum. 
that you'll take us places we would have never imagined. Do you understand? Like, this is unimaginable to Ezekiel that there would be, there would be fishermen spreading their nets and catching multitudes of fish in what he had always known as the Dead Sea. God, we just declare that the things that seem so dead will be made fresh as your spirit flows into them. Jesus' name. Would you, if you're able to do this, I know it, it, it might feel awkward. It's not, if you're being caught up in the spirit, it won't be awkward, but I want you just to stand and drink. If you don't know Jesus and you're here, he brought you here to make you thirsty. If you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you when we dismiss that you just come up to the front and we want to make sure you meet him. If you're listening online and you don't know Jesus, we invite you just to call upon him. He's the Lord. Call upon him. Call upon his name. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Confess that you can't make it on your own. That's what a sinner is a crippled human being morally, spiritually, intellectually crippled. Come and forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. Invite him to come into your life and be the Lord of your life. This is, and he will. Thank you everyone else how about if we just turn our heads up open our mouths which is usually how we drink Holy Spirit would you come and fill us fill us saturate us empower activate us carry us Jesus' name. If you want, it, you, some of you are you're just having a communion with God. That's great. If you want, you can come up to the front and kneel down. If you want, you can sit in your chair if that makes it easier. But I'm just going to behold him. Behold the king in all his beauty. In all his majesty. The Lord is to us a place of broad rivers. Flowing streams.